Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? Man, the sun's out today. It's a little bit, yeah, it's looking pretty nice. Um, yeah, welcome to church. <laughs> My name is Nathan Harris. I'm one of, I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. So glad that you're all with us, whether you're a first-time guest or uh, you're a long-time attender. Thank you for making us part of your morning. I know that God wants to speak to us this morning. And I, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Because this morning, we're beginning a new message series called Better Together. Better Together. Better Together is one of our values here at Celebration Center. And this is how we put it. God's original design required relationships in order to be good. In other words, God, the way God designed things is that for things to be good and whole and healthy... It required healthy, whole relationships, okay? So uh, people matter to God, so we pursue authentic relationships, healthy families, ministry and teams, and we do life with one another in small groups, and so we are better together. Now, a value, maybe you're wondering, what do we mean by value? A value is something that guides what and how we do what we do. All right, so we measure what we do by a value. So for instance, in my home, a value is kindness. If my children are not speaking kindly to each other, I am able then to go to them and to address things and to help them adjust. We don't talk that way here in our family. We are kind to one another, okay? So uh, the, the, the value is what helps to guide us. In this process. And here in Celebration Center, we want it to guide not only our interpersonal relationships, but we want it to guide also the way we do ministry all together. Whether that's kids upstairs, whether that's Sunday morning here in, in the auditorium where we're, we're sitting and we're listening. Everything we do, we want to be better together. So, um, we want to be relational in everything that we are doing, everything that we're putting our hands to here at Celebration Center. And so here's our big idea for the series. Overall, this is the big idea we're working from for the series. We are better together when we grow whole and healthy relationships. We're better together when we grow whole and healthy relationships. Now, we have all encountered unhealthy relationships, right? We are all at least influenced by them. Maybe it's, it can be a, a, a child living in a home where maybe there's some relational issues going on and so things are unhealthy and it affects the child. I remember one time in particular, uh, this last summer I was driving Uber a whole lot to help uh, make some money for my family. And I had the pleasure of picking up one particular couple on a late Saturday night from a local watering hole. That's, that's code for they were drinking. Um, <clears throat> but I, I picked them up, and as soon as I shut, they got in and I shut the doors, they started fighting. Cats and dogs. And I, nothing physical or anything like that, but it was obvious that this lady, the lady of the couple, had had encountered a man, another man at, at this place, in a way that it, it made her boyfriend very jealous. And he was letting her know about it. And it got so bad, I started wondering, am I going to have to pull over and call the police and kick this guy out? 
That's how it, it was really, really bad. And so it was, a, it was actually affecting me. Have you ever been affected by unhealthy relationships? Think about that for a minute. We're going to get a little bit deep this morning as we get going in this series. I'm going to talk about some, some things that maybe you've, you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but they're important because they're going to help us to understand the why behind we are better together, the importance of why we need to focus on being better together. There's been a number of times when I've given a directive to my kids and, and they've said, well, what's the question? Why? Why do I need to do this? Now, that's a legitimate question. You know, we don't want to just be people who are simply doing things just to do things. We want to be able to internalize them. And when we understand the why, we can internalize it and then we can begin to live it out. So the short answer to why that I want to unpack this morning is that we were created this way. Okay, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 through 28 this morning. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can go ahead and turn there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says this, Genesis 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Notice that them word there. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right. Now, this is probably a, a passage that you have at least heard alluded to numerous times. It's one that has frankly been in our uh, our culture, in the media, people asking questions, is this true, is this right, all of that kind of a thing. Maybe you've heard it over and over in church. Maybe you grew up hearing this story or reading it as a kid. But I want to point out a couple of things about this that sometimes we miss. First of all, the structure of Genesis 1 is what is called temple inauguration. We're get, this is where we're getting a little bit deep. Don't fall asleep on me, I promise you, it's good stuff. Temple inauguration. What that means is that the author of Genesis is answering some questions. All right? Some very important questions. Specifically, three questions that we don't necessarily come and ask as we read this ourselves. Because what do we ask when we look at Genesis 1? How old is the earth? Right? Where did the materials come from? What are they made of? And all of that kind of a thing. But Genesis 1 actually doesn't answer any of those questions. It answers some other questions. The first one is, whose world is this? Who owns it? Who owns this world? And over and over, as we read Genesis 1, we are told that it's God. It's this one who created it. He owns the world. Okay? And... And so 
It belongs to God. Question two, where does this God rule from? Now, that might sound a little bit odd and weird to us, but in ancient times, the part of the reason there were so many gods all over the place that people, different peoples worshipped was because they were viewed as local deities. They, they ruled over a specific city or a region, that kind of a thing, and so their influence was mostly contained to that area. All right, But notice here in Genesis 1, if we were to read the entirety of Genesis 1 together, we would see that it isn't a particular local area that this creator God is limited to. He rules over all of it. That's the difference. That's what, that's what the author of Genesis 1 is saying. This God is different from all of the other gods because he actually rules from all of it. Okay, it all belongs to him. Question three, what is the role of human beings in the world? What's our role? And the answer to the third question is what we're going to talk about mainly this morning. And from the answer, we get our main thing, which is this. We are created as community and for a purpose. We are created as community and for purpose. A purpose. This answer directs us to why it is that we are better together and why this is so important. And within the answer, we find two important things from Genesis 1. Number one, if you're taking notes on your outline, we are created as a community. We're created as a community. Part of being created in the image of God is that we are created as a community and not merely for a community. What, what's the difference? What do I mean by that? Well, if we're created for something, then we kind of probably need it or to add it on to us, but we're still essentially ourselves without it. All right? But if we're created as something, and in this case, we're created as community then we are actually, we're missing something in our humanity when we're not in community. Because that's, that's part of our essence. It's part of our being. It's part of how God designed us, not just to desire, but to function. And so we are created as a community. In Genesis 1.27, we're told, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were created as part of a whole. Each one of us is part of a whole. You know, from time to time, my son gets frustrated. Caleb, he's great. I love him. He gets frustrated when things don't go his way. And usually when he's getting frustrated about things not going his way, it has to do with his, um, he wants to do something other than taking care of his responsibilities within the family. He doesn't want to have to clean something. He doesn't want to have to help out with the trash or he doesn't, he just, and, and his answer in the middle of all of this is, all I care about is my Legos, Right? Because that's what, that's what he's being directed away from at the moment. And, it, and so whatever it is that he's being directed away from, that's the thing, that's all he cares about in that moment. Okay? So when my son says something like that, he's focusing on himself above the rest of the family. 
Now let's be honest. Let's think about this for a minute. How many of us have said or thought something along those lines ourselves at times and in moments, right? The statement God makes in verse 26, let us make mankind, lets us know that within God, there is an eternal, loving, communing relationship. And we see that worked out as we read in the New Testament from the the Gospel of Matthew all the way through Revelation where we see that interconnectedness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So part of being created in God's image is created in this relationship where we need, we are interdependent on one another. As a matter of fact, I was as I was writing this message, I, I came across an article in Psychology Today. Back in 2010, they, re, they published a report that said that babies who are not regularly nuzzled and held and, you know, have that, that that interaction with with other human beings, they can actually stop growing. It can actually cause them to stop growing. And if that situation persists, even if they've got, they're they're covered in warm blankets, they've got all of the nutritional needs met, all of that, if they're not getting that human social interaction and it, it lasts long enough, they can actually die. It's possible. This isn't something that we were created for, that we just need to add on to our lives. This is part of the very essence of who we are. We are created as a community. We rely on each other, and we need each other to thrive. Okay, so we are created as a community. Number two on your outline, we are created for a purpose. As we're created as a community, we're, within that, we're created for a purpose. And the idea of being created in God's image, you guys, it is, it is so vast and far-reaching. There's so many aspects of this. We definitely cannot co- cover all of it, okay? But for our time right now, we need to look at this very important thing. In verse 28, we're told, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every creature that moves on the ground. Now, remember I said earlier that the structure of Genesis 1 is is what we call temple inauguration. It's where God is setting up where he's ruling from and how he interacts with the world. Something about ancient temples in the ancient world is that you would find an idol or an image, okay, in that temple that represents the deity that supposedly dwells in that place and interacts with humans from there, okay? But what do we see in Genesis 1? As God is is creating this living atmosphere, all right, and he's inaugurating this place from which he he encounters us and we encounter him, what's the image he places there? It's us. It's you. It's me. We are that image. And as the image of God, according to Genesis 1.28, humans represent God. We are his agents bringing order 
to and cultivating the world all around us, bringing the, the, the world and worship to God and representing God back to the world. That's what we do. That's our function. That's the purpose we were created for as this community. Now, in most of the ancient world, Canaanites, uh, the ancient Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, all of them, the creation of humans was for the benefit of the gods. They were basically slaves, okay? They'd bring food, and, and if, if the gods got angry with them, they'd just slaughter them, and, and it was really ugly, really bad. Humans just served the whim and wish of the God, but we see in Genesis something different. We're called as human beings to partner with God in doing what he is doing, okay? As a community, through our relationship with him and with each other. What happens, what happens when humans look to their own interests and whims and focus on their own rule for their own benefit instead of others? We can look in the, in the news and, and see it all the time, right? We get dictators, we get genocide, we get all kinds of horrific things happening all around us. You guys, we were created for a purpose, and that purpose is to represent God in and to the world as a community that is dedicated to God. So, since we are created as a community for a purpose, how then do we begin to live this out? I know we've gotten a little bit deep. I want to give you guys something that we can actually begin to do, though. How do we begin to live this out? I want to leave you with uh, this morning some, that, something that's kind of, it's more or less the gateway to being better together, which is to have our minds and our hearts changed. That's what we've got to start with, our minds and our hearts being changed. I remember one time I had a guy in my previous church come in to my office, and he was upset. He was not happy. As a matter of fact, he came in, he was basically holding himself hostage he said, if things in this ministry and in this church don't change, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be part of it anymore. And I said, okay, you can do that if you want to. But what if, instead of just focusing on all of these things that you think need to be happening, what if you got on board with, with what we are doing as a church? With the way we are going, with the direction we're walking in, what might happen? And you know what he did? He changed his focus. It was actually pretty cool. He got on board. He was able to change his heart and his mind and, and to begin to go in the direction that we were going. God does the same thing for us. He gives us his spirit to lead us, who is this, the Holy Spirit, who is his presence in us. All right? And he leads us in the way that we should go and invites us to change our positions our outlooks, to be able to put our preconceived notions on the back burner and allow him to influence us. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, 
pleasing and perfect will. So how do we begin to live this out, to, to be the community with the purpose? Well, we start, first of all, by going all in with God. If you're taking notes on your outline, that's letter A. Go, going all in with God. Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And the idea here is that we offer our whole selves to God, not just our physical being, but here bodies represents every part of us. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our talents, everything gets offered and turned over to God. You know, the other night uh, I was kind of half listening to my wife as she was trying to tell me something very important. Yes, I need Jesus. <laughs> And at one point, my wife had to stop and say, okay, Nathan, let me know when you're ready to give me your full attention. Any other ladies identify with that? Okay. And here's why she had to say that to me. Even though I was physically present with her, my focus was on a football game. Okay. My beloved Chicago Bears were playing, and I wanted to see the game. And so my wife had to stop. She saw me. I, could, I, I, I was paying enough attention that I could actually hear her. I, just, I heard her stop all of a sudden. Let me know when you, have, you can give me your attention. It's like, oh, okay, let me set this aside. Here's my point. Even though I was physically present with my wife, I wasn't being fully attentive to her in that moment, was I? No, I wasn't. You guys, it's the same thing when I'm talking about going all in with God. We can't be merely present physically to God. We can't be merely saying, okay, well, I'm doing this activity and I'm doing that activity and I'm doing these other things over here. That's great, but this is not a, a, a checklist of things to check off. This is a way we live from the very deepest in, innermost part of us. We give ourselves to God wholly and completely. It doesn't mean that we have it all figured out, okay? It doesn't mean that we get it right all of the time. It means that we are completely present to him in every aspect of our lives. So let me ask you this. What things in your life do you need to shut off in order to be present to God, to be all in with him? We've all got them. We've all got the stuff. I just admitted one of mine, <laughs> the football, right? What? Think about that. What do you need to turn off? What distractions do you need to set aside so that you can be all in with God? Let her be on your outline. We begin living this out by allowing God to transform us. Allowing God to transform us. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, Paul says for us not to be pressed by the world and its values into the image of the world. That's kind of hard not to do, frankly. Because where do we live? In the world. That's right. We live in the world, right? 
It's all around us. But Paul says, don't be pressed by the world into the world's image. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that happens by the Spirit. That is when the Spirit of God gets a hold of us and he begins to reshape us and to make us into something different as we go all in with God. All right? These are not two separate things. We can't do one without the other. It's kind of like the time I had to go to physical therapist for, for a knee injury. I had messed up my knee, and my knee got weak, and it wasn't until I went and I applied myself to hearing not only what she had to say, but partnering with her in doing it and allowing her instruction to change the way I was thinking about the way I needed to act and the exercises I needed to do. And when I did that, then my knee began to strengthen and to get stronger and to get better. It's the same thing for us. When we partner with the Spirit, when we give ourselves to Him and allow Him to change us rather than allowing the world to change us, then we become more healthy. Allow God to transform you. Letter C, we begin doing this by living within the context of community. We need to actually choose to live within the context of community. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have 1,001 best friends. Is there anybody else in here besides me who is an introvert? Yeah. You don't have to have a, a 10,000 friends. A community can happen between two people. All right? The point isn't how many people we have. The point is that we have people in our lives where we are choosing to interact with them and we are going along with them. Paul says in Romans 12:1, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in other words, he's, he's talking to an entire community of people. He's assuming that they are in a community and that they have the value of community. Why would he think that? Because our growth only happens in the context of community. It only happens in the context of community. When I first began, I, I have uh, picked up the guitar a long time ago, started playing it. I haven't played it in a little while. I need to get back into it. But when I first began learning to play the guitar, I basically started on my own. I, my dad actually played pretty well, but I decided uh, to move away. And uh, when I moved away, I, I wasn't right there for him to be able to teach me all of his knowledge and, and understanding and everything. So I, I was picking this up on my own. And frankly, I wasn't very good at it. And it wasn't until that I was introduced to another guitar player, somebody who had been down the road a, long, a lot further than me, that I began to understand, wow, there's some things I need to do differently. <laughs> I would have never come to that realization without being in community with this other guitar player where I got to see some of my bad habits and understand, hey, I'm not, I'm not doing this properly. There's a better way. There's actually a better way for me to do this. We cannot grow in a vacuum. We cannot excel on our own. We need the help of others to show us where we're blind and where we're going wrong. So what areas of your life do you need to have community in? 
Where do you need that influence of at least one other person who's going to be able to speak into your life so that you can grow more as you partner with the Spirit as you are all in with God? You guys, this is just the starting point, okay? I, I've talked a little bit this morning about why this is important and how we can begin to get going. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about some more specific issues about being better together, what that looks like, how we walk that out, okay? But we need to understand at the very bottom of this is that we are created as a community for a purpose, okay? Let's have the band come on back up. We need to infuse this better together in everything we do. We want this to be a value as a pastor, I want this to be a value for you as, as individuals, but I also want this to be a value for us as Celebration Center so that it can guide us into the future, can help to guide us into the future of what God has for us. So I want to encourage us, let's be better together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us, that you love us beyond measure, that you don't love us because we accomplish things or that we're in a great spot, whether that's relationally or financially or anything like that, but that you just love us because that's who you are. Sometimes, Father, I know that when we talk about things that we need to build into our lives, that, that we start thinking, well, I, gotta, I just got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I got to get better at this, and I just got to get it done. But, Father, I pray that as we begin to really investigate being better together, that this would not be another thing that we just add on or that we, we try harder at, but that as we together begin to, to walk this out, that, that you would encounter us, that we would encounter you, and that we would experience your life in us, changing us, shaping us, molding us ever more and more into your image. Maybe you're here and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower yet, but you, you want to be part of that community. You want to have that, that encounter with God and, and with others. I'm going to say a prayer. Make it your own. Father, I've, I've lived life on my own. I've, I've lived life the way the world says to live it, and it's not working out so great. I want to give myself to you. I want to be part of your family. Make me yours and be mine. Father, for anybody who made that prayer their own, I pray that you would visit them right now, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them, that they would experience your love. 
your grace and your goodness, God. And for all of us, Father, help us all to live in community with you and with each other, I pray. In Jesus' name. Would you all stand with me? We're going to sing one more song together. And let's just, this is an opportunity for us to reflect to God our love, our intent of being all in with him. All right, and then I'm going to come back up and I'll wrap it up. You know, one of the ways that we can genuinely honor God is to pursue him in such a way that we, we live as he's created us to be and to do. And that is, one of the ways we can do that is to be better together, you guys. To infuse healthy, whole relationship into everything that we do in our homes, in our work, in the places that we go to play here at Celebration Center. I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be good, and I encourage you guys to come back next week. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you next week.